Today's scripture reading is Isaiah 4, verses 2 through 6. In that day, the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land shall be pride and honor of the survivors of Israel. And he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy, everyone who has been recorded for life in Jerusalem. When the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the bloodstains of Jerusalem from its midst by a spirit of judgment and by a spirit of burning. Then the Lord will create over the whole site of Mount Zion and over her assemblies a cloud by day and smoke and the shining of a flaming fire by night. For over all the glory there will be a canopy. There will be a booth for shade by day from the heat and for a refuge and shelter from the storm and the rain. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. Or dare I say, dare I even ask if any of us even remember or can recall the poem, The Ride of Paul Revere. Nope, nope. Listen, my children, and you shall hear of the midnight ride of Paul Revere. See, now it's coming clear. Now, now, we're shaking the cobwebs off. On the 18th of April of 75, hardly a man is still alive who remembers that famous day or year. Paul Revere, you know that name, everybody knows that name. Paul Revere is credited, of, of course, with being a hero of the American Revolution and for riding through the streets of, of Concord and, and Lexington, Massachusetts and, and warning the people, right? Warning the people, and what did he warn the people of? That's right. The British are coming. That's right. That's right. We remember that, don't we? The British are coming. The British are coming. The British are coming. Now, history tells us that actually Paul Revere didn't actually say that. He probably didn't actually say that, brother Bob. But you know, the victors get to write the history any way they want to. We know that, right? Such it is. Such it is. Nonetheless, 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 however, however it happened, the, Brit the colonists were warned. The colonists were warned that the British were coming and therefore they were able to prepare. Because as we know, forewarned is what? Forearmed. However it happened, forewarned is forearmed, right? And I guess that's true in most cases. Forewarned is forearmed. To be forewarned is to get your act together. At least that was the case when I was small. When we were children... When we were kids, and we were doing the things that we weren't supposed to do, someone would say, inevitably, Mama's coming. 
Mama's coming. And that meant that it was time to sit up. That was time to straighten up. That was time to get your stuff together. It was time to fly right. It was time because mama was coming. For the colonists, the British was coming. It was time to get the defenses together. It was time to tighten up the defenses. It was time to put their best foot forward. Beloved, if this was true, because the British was coming, beloved, If this was true, because mama was coming, how much more is it true when you hear the word that the Lord himself is coming? The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. Jehovah is coming. Jehovah is coming. That's what the prophet Isaiah was saying. The prophet Isaiah was sent like Paul Revere of sorts to Judah and Jerusalem to proclaim in the streets. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. Now listen, beloved. Okay, now listen to me this morning. Ask yourself the question. When they heard the words, the Lord is coming, what did they hear? What did they hear when they heard the Lord is coming? Was that good news? Was that good news? I mean, what did the colonists hear when they heard the British was coming? What did we hear when we heard Mama was coming? Was that good news? I got a question for you this morning. After Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eve, in the Garden of Eden, what did they hear when they heard that God was coming? Was that sweet? Sweet sound in their ears. No, beloved. No, beloved. What they heard was the sound 
of judgment. The sound of judgment. What Adam and Eve heard coming was the sound of judgment. That's what Judah and Jerusalem heard when they heard Isaiah speak. They heard the sound of judgment. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. And he's coming in judgment. That's what he said. Isaiah 3, in verse 14. The Lord enters, the Lord is coming, and the Lord enters in judgment against the elders and the leaders of his people. That's what they heard. The Lord is coming, and he's entering in judgment against the leaders and the elders of his people. The Lord is coming. And when he comes, Isaiah 13 and verse 6 says, y'all better well. Because the day of the Lord is coming and it is near and it will come like destruction in verse 13 and, and verse 6 in chapter 13 and verse 6. And the day will come like destruction from the Almighty. That's what the day of the Lord is going to be like. When the day of the Lord comes, when he comes, it's going to be a day of judgment. Isaiah 13 and verse 9. You see, the day of the Lord is coming. It's going to be a cruel day with wrath and fierce anger. He's going to make the land desolate and destroy the sinners within it. That's what they heard. That's what they heard. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. That's what we heard. When they said mama was coming and the dishes weren't done, that's what we heard. That's what we heard when we looked around. And nothing was cleaned up. That's what we heard. Judgment was coming. The Lord is coming. And let it be known, beloved, that he will not allow the wicked to go unpunished. That's what they heard. The guilty will not Go free. That's what they heard. That's what he said in Isaiah chapter 3, verse 11. Woe to the wicked. Woe to the wicked. Disaster is upon them. Woe to the wicked. Disaster is upon them. 
they will be paid back for what their hands have done. That's what they heard. That's what they heard. Beloved, let's not get it twisted. Hey, let's not get it twisted. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. And the Bible says, the Lord reminds us in Romans chapter 1 and verse 18, reminds us that the wrath of God is revealed against all unrighteousness upon the earth. That's what it says. God is not overlooking sin. God is coming to judge all sin. He always has and he always will. When we talk about the Lord is coming, we often talk about, oh, Jesus is coming and he's going to reveal himself in the sky and he's coming and he's this gracious king and he's coming, he's going to love all his people and everything is going to be this great and nice king coming down and setting up this wonderful kingdom upon the earth and everybody's going to be happy. Lord is coming and he's coming in judgment. And his wrath is going to be visited upon the earth against all unrighteousness and wickedness. And Isaiah is revealing this to Judah and Jerusalem. It has been the message from the beginning. This is the message throughout the scriptures. It is the message all the way to the end. This is the message Jesus gave. Again and again. Again and again. The Lord came and brought judgment upon the city, upon cities like Sodom and Gomorrah. God brought judgment. Upon cities like Sodom and Gomorrah. And you know what Jesus said? In Matthew 10 and 15, you know what Jesus said? He said that there is a greater judgment than Sodom and Gomorrah for cities that don't receive and trust in the words of Christ. That's what he said. Greater judgment on cities than what befell Sodom and Gomorrah. For those who don't receive the words of Christ. The Lord is coming. 
Did you hear what I said? Yes, the Lord is coming. That's right, Mr. Tracy. No, nobody want to hear that. They don't want to hear that. The Lord is coming. Sodom and Gomorrah, the Lord is coming. Tyre and Sidon, the Lord is coming. Babylon and Jerusalem, the Lord is coming. Washington, D.C. and Moscow, the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. The Lord our God is an awesome God. It wasn't for no reason he kicked them out of Eden. I hope we haven't too quickly forgotten. Our God is an awesome God. Fearful and mighty. Awesome and powerful. Holy and right. Fearful and true. He is taking people to heaven. And he is allowing people to go to hell. People will go to hell. The Lord is coming. People will go to heaven and people will go to hell. What will you do? What are you going to do when the Lord comes? What are you going to do? This is what Isaiah is saying. The Lord is coming. Judgment is coming. What are you going to do? I'll tell you what you're going to do, beloved. You better be looking for him. You better be looking for him. The difference between the lost and the redeemed. The difference between the righteous and the condemned is that the one is looking for the Lord. And the other is not. The one is looking for him. And the other is not. The one hears the Lord is coming and ignores it. The other hears the Lord is coming and says, Lord, come. Lord, come. Which one are you? Which one are you? Which one are you? And that's what we see in Isaiah 4. That's what we see in Isaiah 4. You know what? The world doesn't want the world, doesn't want the Lord to come. Doesn't want the world to come. And doesn't want the Lord to come. And understandably so. Understandably so. I didn't want my mama to come. 
I get it. No. No, mom, don't come right now. Don't come right now. We're not ready. We're not ready. Don't come right now. And understandably so. Why? Because he is coming in judgment. What the righteous do, what the righteous do, we want the Lord our judge to come. We want him to come. We want him to come. Why? Because the one who is judge is also beautiful. He's also beautiful. He's also beautiful. The one who is righteous is also glorious. Notice what it says in verse 2. In that day, in that day when he comes, that day the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. And the fruit of the land will be the pride and the glory of survivors in Israel. The one who comes to judge sin is also so beautiful to behold. The one who comes to condemn the guilty is also full of glory and wonder. Listen, beloved. There is a wonder and a glory and a beauty and an awe that I fear we rarely appreciate in Christ. There is a wonder and a glory and a beauty and an awe that we rarely appreciate in Christ because we rarely appreciate it in our own salvation. And this is because we won't appreciate it until we see just how ugly our sin is and just how beautiful Christ really is. You do understand. You do understand. We are not going to understand how beautiful Christ is until we get the full picture of just how ugly our sin is. Most of us still have some sort of our, our idea that of, of our own goodness. We have these Delusional ideas of our own goodness. We still think that we are not all that bad. And this is because we compare ourselves with each other. And we look, ourselves, we look at ourselves in light of other people. And as the Bible says, this is what we do in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. 
when we measure ourselves by ourselves and compare ourselves with other people and then we think ourselves, we are not all that bad. But when Christ comes, when Christ comes, we'll get a sense of what true beauty is. We'll get a sense of what true righteousness is. We'll get a sense of what true holiness is. We'll get a sense of what true beauty looks like, beloved. And we'll see just how ugly our sin really has been. And we'll see just what it took. For our sins to be forgiven. And then we'll see how much we really should have been numbered with those who went down into the pit. We should have been in that number. We should have been in the number that went into the outer darkness. We should have been in that number that marched in the hell. Beloved, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, deep down, deep down, you and I still harbor these illusions that somehow, 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 you and I are worthy of heaven. Why you sitting here this morning? Somehow, you really don't think you should go to hell. You're not. We we do, Pastor Phil, all the time. We think we're better than that. We live in our nice neighborhoods, drive our nice cars. Dressed in our nice clothes. Send our kids to these nice schools. Yeah, bro. When the Lord comes, when the Lord comes, when you see Christ for who he is in his beauty, in his holiness, in his splendor and in his glory, your wretchedness and your unworthiness, beloved, it will break us down and you will finally really ask the question, Lord, why am I saved? Why am I here? Except for the grace of God. There goes this wretched sinner, unworthy. And then, and only then, beloved, then and only then will you genuinely and sincerely sing those words. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus, the Nazarene, and wonder how he could save me, a sinner condemned and unclean. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful. And then will your song forever be. Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me.
The Lord is coming. And he'll be beautiful. He'll be beautiful. Most beautiful thing you ever saw. And you'll be totally, totally overwhelmed. Totally unworthy. Totally, totally, totally unworthy. Totally unworthy. By the reality, beloved, that he reveals this amazing truth. And you have been counted among his covenant people. He will reveal that he has, at that time, he has a covenant people. A remnant. He has a remnant. The Lord is coming. He is coming to judge those in the city. He is coming to judge those upon the earth. And in the midst of that judgment, he has a remnant, a covenant people. He will, do, he will deal justly with all those he had come to judge. Notice what he says in chapter 3, verse 11. Again, woe to the wicked, disasters upon them. They will be paid back for what their hands have done. He will deal justly with all those upon the earth. They will get what they rightly deserve. None will be treated unfairly. None will be treated unjustly. No one will be able to lodge a complaint. Nobody. Nobody's going to be able to appeal. There's not going to be an appellate court. None. Everybody's going to get what they deserve. And yet, in the midst of this righteous judgment, there, amazingly beloved, there will be found a refuge. There will be found a place for a remnant. There will be found within the city a place of grace. Verse 4 of chapter, uh, verse 3 of chapter 4. Those who are left in Zion, who remain in Jerusalem, will be called holy. All who are recorded among the living in Jerusalem. And there will be those 
there who have been saved, brought through the judgment, saved through the fire, kept by God. There will be those like Noah and his family who were only saved because God brought them onto the ark. A remnant like Abraham and his family only brought out of the land of the Chaldeans a remnant. As the Bible reminds us in Romans chapter 9 and verse 6 and 7, we are reminded, beloved, that not all who are descended from Israel are from Israel, right? But a remnant, as we know that not everyone who came out of of Egypt and crossed the Red Sea are really part of God's people, but only a remnant. As Jesus himself reminded us, right, in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, wide is the gate and broad is the road that lead to destruction, and many are those who go that way. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. But there remains a chosen few, an elect remnant, a remnant. God always has a remnant. Those who have been recorded, as Isaiah says, recorded among the living. God always has his people recorded among the living. God always has his few. Those he brings through, whose names have been written, as the Bible says, in the Lamb's book of life. Who he brings through, whom the Bible says in Isaiah 49 and 16, whose names he has written on the palms of his hands. whose names he has written on the palms of his hands. As the songwriter says, and those names eternity shall not erase. Impressed on his heart they remain in marks of indelible grace. His covenant people. He always has them. And he brings them through the fire. He brings them through the storms. He brings them to the other side. He brings them through the troubles. He doesn't take them out of the troubles, but he brings them through the troubles. He doesn't take them out of the trials, but he brings them through the trials. These are his people. And he sustains them. 
And his people experienced something. They experienced something. And Isaiah promises. His people, when the Lord comes, his covenant people experience his cleansing power. You see that? They experience his cleansing power. When he comes, he comes to make his people over again like new. His power and his promise is to change. In verse 4, the Lord will wash away the filth of the woman of Zion. He will cleanse the blood stained from Jerusalem by a spirit of judgment and spirit of fire. The Lord will make holy like he is holy. The Lord will make clean like he is clean. His cleansing power. His covenant people will be saved and experience his cleansing power. His cleansing power. The filth will be removed. The filth is that inward uncleanness. Literally the vomit, the guilt, the, the, the wretchedness, the vileness, that inwardness will be removed. But not only the inwardness, the blood stain. That is the outwardness, the violence and the visible transgression, the, the prideful sin and lustfulness will be removed. In other words, outward sins, inward sins, the totality of sin, mind and heart, body and soul, washed away. Not in part, but the whole. Not in part, but the whole. Here is the power and the promise of God. In the coming of the Messiah for his people, not in part, but the whole. Washed away. Cleansed. What the Lord promised he would do. When he brought them out of Egypt. That's what he promised them. On the night that he would pass over them in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 13. When they were to put the, the blood over the doorposts of their homes. The Lord said. This blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. This is the promise that he gave to them. That the blood, that I see the blood, I'm going to pass over you. Why? Because the blood is going to wash you clean. And this is the promise that he gave to them through David in Psalm 32 and verse 1. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Covered by what? Covered by the blood. When I see the blood, I'm going to pass over you. What is the blood going to do? The blood is going to cover your sins. And blessed is the one whose sins are covered. And then you get to the New Testament. And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 4 and verse 7, puts that all together and reminds us. Romans chapter 4 and verse 7 reminds us that this 
blood, beloved, is the blood that covers. This blood is the blood that removes. This is the power. This is the cleansing power. What takes away your sins? What removes the blood stains? It's not Clorox. It's Christ. It's not OxyClean. It's the blood of Christ. This is the promise of God to his people. This is the promise of God to his people through Christ to the church. Listen. This is the promise that God makes through Christ. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 27. You think he's talking about husbands and wives. Husbands and wives, this is a byproduct. Husbands and wives are the byproduct. This is talking about Christ. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. And gave himself for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she might be holy without blemish. That's what the blood of Christ does. Washes. Cleanses. That's what he does for his people. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. And so the only question that you have to ask yourself is have you been to Jesus for his cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in its grace this hour? Have you, wa- have you been washed in the blood of the Lamb? The Lord is coming. And when the bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Will your soul be ready for the mansions Right. Are you washed? Are you washed? In the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed? Are you washed? Are you washed in the blood? In the soul cleansing blood of the Lamb. Are you washed? The Lord is coming. The Lord is is coming. Are you washed in the blood? If I had a B flat for you, I'd sing it this morning. Are you washed in the blood? I won't do Stephen like that. Are you washed? The Lord is coming and he washes, he washes, he washes his people in that soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb. And if you are, if you are, 
If you're if, if you're his covenant people, if you're his covenant people, you know the cleansing power. And when the Lord comes, when the Lord comes, then you will know his comforting presence. His comforting presence. It will be a comforting presence. No need to fear. No need to fear. The lost world doesn't want the Lord to come. They don't want him to come. But the Lord's people do. That's why we say, Lord, come, Lord Jesus, come. We're the ones saying that. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Even in all our mess. Even in all our mess. I know, Lord, I have messed up. I have contributed to this mess. I have contributed to this. But I still say, Lord, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. The Lord, the world doesn't do that. The Lord, the world doesn't do that. But God's people do. Because the Lord who is coming will not only cleanse his people, but I know and trust that he will forever be a comfort and a guide to his people as well. Notice what he says in verse 5. The Lord will create over all of Mount Zion and over those who assemble. There will be a cloud of smoke by day and a glow of flaming fire by night. And over everything, the glow will be a canopy. There will be a cloud of smoke by day, and a glow of flaming fire by night. And over everything, the glow of a canopy, a cloud by day, smoke, and a flaming fire by night, beloved. Everything shall be gloriously lit and a canopy shall be over God's people. What does that remind you of? It's obvious, isn't it? Cloud by day, smoke and flaming fire by night points us back to the wilderness when God's people were brought out of Egypt in the Exodus when God led his people through the wilderness and then was leading them into the promised land. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 21, when God promised them, where he says, by day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire he gave them light so that they could travel by day and they could travel by night. He led them day and night, and they didn't move by day. They didn't lead, move by night unless the Lord guided them. And this is how they traveled. This is how they traveled. They didn't move unless the Lord moved. And 
when the Lord stopped, they stopped. And this is how they traveled. And this is how, they, and this is how the Lord guided them. This is how the Lord protected them. And into a dark world, the Lord came and he lit the way. And into the darkness of night, the Lord came and he shined the light upon their path. And he showed them the way. And this is how they progressed day and night, night and day. Through the wilderness. Then the word came to Isaiah. And Isaiah here promised something different. In fact, beloved, Isaiah here was promising them something more. God was going to do something more. The Lord is coming. And God was not just going to lead. But God is coming and the Lord is going to settle over them. This time, the cloud by day and the fire by night would be a glory of a canopy that was going to settle over them for all time. The Lord was not just coming, but the Lord was coming to stay. He was coming to stay so that you shall never be without the Lord's guidance. You shall never be without the Lord's goodness. You shall never be without the Lord's grace. You shall never be without the Lord. He's coming to stay. He's coming to stay. He's coming to stay. When the Lord comes this time, you shall never be without the Lord again. He's coming to turn on the light, and the light is never going off. He's coming to set up the canopy of his grace, and it's never going off again. That light is a canopy, that glory is going to stay on. And so shall you ever be with the Lord. And so shall you ever be with the Lord. When he comes. That light's going to stay on. Did you hear what I said? I like gonna stay on, Miss Tracy. That light gonna stay on. That light's gonna stay on. When I moved to Atlanta, I met some friends who exposed me to some Atlanta traditions that I'd never heard of before. You know, one was Chick-fil-A. 
I moved down here and they gave me one of them little cards. One of them one little white cards. They see, I'm like, what's this? He said, go over there, man. Hand that, hand that card to the people in there. I went there and got me a free Chick-fil-A sandwich. Man, what you talking about? <laughs> I was like, get out of jail, free card. <laughs> Life ain't never been the same since. <laughs> got me a free Chick-fil-A sandwich, man. That was, woo. That was life-changing. <laughs> another, another tradition they exposed me to was Krispy Kreme. I ain't never heard of Krispy Kreme in my life. And one day we were driving around. One day we were driving around, and we went down in the West End, and we were driving around, and the guy said, hey, man, pull in there. I'm like, pull in there, pull in what? The light is on. And I'm like, the light is on. They said, yeah, man, the light is on. Pull in there. I'm like, pull in there? What that mean? The light is on. The light is on, Miss Tracy. The light is on. Pull in there. I'm like, pull in there? What that mean? The light is on. The light is on. The donuts are hot and fresh. The light is on. The donuts are hot and fresh. Yes. And you can get one. Changed my life. That's what we need, Miss Tracy. We need one of those signs out in front of the church. We need one of those signs out in front of the church. You know? That's right. We need one of those signs out in front of the church. Grace now. The people drive by and they see, oh, the light is on. The light is on. And guess what? It ain't going off. And they can look. Hey, turn in there right now. Grace now. The light is on. And guess what? It ain't never going off. Turn in there, Pastor Phil. Turn in there right now. Grace, the light is on. You can get it now. Always, always. Grace, grace. God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace. Grace. God's grace. Grace that is greater than all my sin. And guess what? It ain't never going off. He's going to put a canopy over this place and it ain't never, never, never going off. Can somebody get that sign for me? Can somebody get that sign for me? Grace now. It ain't never going off. The Lord ain't never turned that off. Never. He ain't never turned that off. I want to be able to turn it out. I want to be able to turn inside that church. I want to be able to turn inside that church. We ain't never turning that light off. It'll change your life. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. And when he comes, let us be ready. Let us be ready. Let's pray.